Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I'm joined by a special guest co-host. It's Dana Pickley! Yay! And today we are joined by sci-fi fangirls writer... Oh, me! I'm Courtney Enlow! Hi! (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know if you were going to go on with the intro. (laughs) And we also have a very special guest today. Very uh, special. Glory herself. It's Claire Kramer. Hi, guys! (laughs) Since you are both first-time guests, Courtney, would you like to give us your Buffy origin first? I would love to. So my my very first, like, geek fandom was Mystery Science Theater. Like, that was my first internet community. That was just, like, the how I, like, descended into, like, nerd culture. And it Buffy was one of those shows that um, everyone in, like, various forums that I was in for um, MST3K was talking about. And so I got into it. My first episode was um oh my god i'm blanking on the title it was the the swimming one. Oh, uh go fish yes <laughs> so that was my first episode and then i just kind of like fell in love with it i saw the movie first and i remember loving the movie okay but it wasn't something that i really um like connected yeah that it was like of the same you know family or canon or whatever and then but like once i fell in love with the show i fell hard <laughs> and then when the full series came out that big dvd box set ah uh, yes got that in college and i pretty much just like devoted an entire month to just like rewatching the entire show and it was the best decision i've ever made i think it was like during finals and i might have like it's like how was that extra semester of college for you yeah i like that? i like definitely did not do great on finals but i did great on buffy <laughs> i actually wrote in undergrad like two different research papers about Buffy for classes. Writing research papers on Buffy is kind of my job now, and it's great. <laughs> Very jealous. <laughs> a dream. Um, Claire, would you like to give us your Buffy origin? Absolutely. But first, um, Courtney, I think it's hilarious that your best life decision so far has been watching the entire series of Buffy, binge watching it in a month. I mean, yeah. that that is really something to hang your hat on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, career, children, those are like second place, maybe. Right. Second, a, a distant second, a I would distant hope. Distant second, um, yeah. So it's really interesting because when I auditioned for Buffy, the only frame of reference, I mean, obviously I knew the show. I knew that the show was on the air. I had watched a couple episodes, a couple of Eliza Dishku's crossover episodes, um, the faith, like Buffy to Angel. She would have a party because we had just finished a movie called Bring It On. And so when, yes. yes. (laughs) So when the audition came through, I called Eliza and I said, you know, I'm going in for the show. I don't really, she's like, just go in. Just go, go. So I said, all right. So um, as an actress in Los Angeles, I pretty much knew the types that were going to come in for this role. And there, there was no character description at all. The only character description was woman. And I thought, well, I've got that. That is going for me. Uh, but then it was just two pages of lines. And I think they even called the character. The character wasn't called Glory. I think the character was called um, Cherry. Uh, on the line, on the two pages. And so I read them and it was very bland. You didn't get a feel, a sense of the character. You don't really under, you know, it was just very bland dialogue. And so I thought, you know, I know what the show is like. It's a sci-fi show. It's suspension of disbelief. Um, and so I'm going to go in and do something totally different than anyone else would do. And they're either going to really like it and maybe I'll get the job or I'm just, 
I'm not going to get it. And that will be that. <laughs> and then I'm no worse off than I am now. So, hey, might as well take a risk. So I went in and I based my initial interpretation of Glory on the Jack Nicholson character from The Shining. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that was that was what I drew from for the audition. Because, you know, as you know, with an audition, you don't have, you know, you don't have backstory. You don't have tons of time to prepare the material. You kind of just have to go in and, like, you know, commit to something. So that's what I committed to. And I remember Joss looking at me. It was in the, the – I only had two auditions. So it was the first audition. And he, he was looking at me like, huh. <laughs> and I thought, well <laughs> – I blew that. <laughs> this isn't going any further. So I left. And by the time I was walking across the lot, I got a call from my agent. And they were like, they want you to come back tomorrow. And don't change anything. Do exactly what you did. Oh, cool. And so the next day, I went in. And it was myself. And Charlie Weber was there. And I was like, oh, he's going to, he's probably going to play my sister or my brother, you know, yeah, my yeah. twin or something. <laughs> And so they had me go in and read, and I did the same thing as best I could. And then they had Charlie go in and read. And then basically Joss came out into the waiting room and was like, okay, you guys got the job. Oh, and cool. we were like, uh, that. so then, of course, I was under this delusion that that would happen for the rest of my career, <laughs> which clearly, clearly it hadn't. <laughs> However, it was a very cool moment, and that is my Buffy origin story. That's a really good origin. I like that. That's so cool. <laughs> Recontextualizes the entire character. Exactly. Like, knowing the, like, the Jack Nicholson bit. Like, that really, like, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> you know, and as an actor, I think, like, for me at least... I like to grab on to like the physicality of a character. You know, when I when I create someone or something, I I'm a very physical person. So if I can sort of get that body movement and that like, you know, I remember often in initially thinking about him, you know, where he would stick his head, you know, he axes the door open and then he sticks his head in and he's like, "Where's Johnny?" you know, <laughs> and just sort of that type of feel to the character, the ups and the downs and and it really helped me initially lay down something that then Joss and the writers and the directors and myself could mold into what became Glory. That's well, but you know, before we before we like even get further, I I have to tell you, and I've I've said this to Ian before on a podcast. Out of all the Buffy villains, Glory is by far my favorite villain. Yeah. And oh. same, same, same. By Far. Like, and, and I think it's exactly the reasons that you're talking about. There was something so multi-layered about that character and what you brought to that character that at some point you're actually feeling bad for Glory. <laughs> right? A maniacal, crazy person who kills innocent people and sticks her hands into poor little lesbians' heads. <laughs> you know, but she didn't do anything out of malice. Her only mission was to go home. She wanted to go home. She wanted to go back to her realm. And so she was willing to do good or bad. And if Buffy would have made it easy and just turned over Dawn at the beginning, then <laughs> we wouldn't have had any of this mess. And when she feels like pain or um, like just general like displeased, mm -hmm. she feels it so strongly like she just feels so much it's like you really do like oh they're really hurt they're really hurting Lori's feelings like yeah I mean she's kind of like has that arrested development of emotions where she's almost in a way I mean she's very mature but she's also very like toddler like where it's like if she's sad she's gonna cry and scream and if she's happy she's gonna laugh and you know, she wants everything to the extreme, you know, the best chocolates, the best mimosas, and also, you know, 
sucking brains and do you know it's it's everything to the extreme in a way you know what i mean but she's she doesn't view herself as an extremist or an extreme personality she just views herself as doing what she needs to do to, to remain happy and to achieve her goals which is to on the show is to go home you know uh, uh, i really like that it's like oh now you're being like oh now we have glory on the podcast all she wants <laughs> yeah. to do is go home just killed a few people no big deal <laughs> yeah whatever <laughs> So today we're here to discuss season five's Tough Love, um, which is the start of the end of the season. For me, it's like, I always think of like these four episodes as like the best shot. Like for me, like this is my favorite season. Glory is also my favorite villain, Claire. Thank you guys. But Can I you think... guys come live with me and just to keep telling? <laughs> we'll be just right tell there. me nice things about myself. <laughs> Are you kidding, Claire? Our Twitter has like blown up because like I try to only post like screenshots and gifts of like the episodes that were on, like, podcast-wise. And, like, ever since we got to, like, using GIFs of Glory and stuff, our Twitter has been blowing up because everyone is like, yes! (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Tag me so I can retweet all those things. You guys, I'm so so happy this worked out, by the way. Oh, me too. And, Claire, when when Ian asked me to co-host with him, I, I literally said, and this, these exact, exact words I said to him were, how can I say no to Buffy's best villain? Exactly. <laughs> I know for the for the listeners, Claire and I have been like playing email tag for uh, like months now, right, Claire? Mm-hmm. Yes. No, literally. I, I saw on Twitter, like you were reaching out and, that, and it just, you know, honestly, it's really hard oh, to I'm keep sure. up with the mentions and the comments. But every morning between the hours of... 5.45 and 6.30 when I'm drinking my coffee trying to caffeinate myself enough to like face reality <laughs> and getting my kids to school that's when I go through my Twitter and so I'm like oh I let's do this and so it took <laughs> us a while but here we are yay I know I'm so glad <laughs> I'm so glad you're here yay so Dana would you like to start uh no you okay. go start you're the starter All right. I, I just I just bring in the the comedy relief occasionally <laughs> <laughs> so I really love the opening is Buffy talking to a professor we haven't seen before. And I actually really love it as like a, hey, this is the all capital letters, the end. You know, it's like almost like a nothing scene, but it's almost like the professor is the audience. And Buffy's like, hey, uh, hopefully I'll be back next semester. More myself. She is. She comes back, quote unquote, next semester and is very much not herself. Uh, and I just think it's a really genius way of being like, hey, this is like the calm before the storm. She's saying goodbye then it's like Glory's path of destruction for the rest of the season until Buffy has to sacrifice herself. And I just really love that. And then we cut to Ben getting fired from his job because of Glory. Uh, Which brings me to my first question specifically about Glory, Claire. How Mm -hmm. would you say, at least from your perspective, that they've always been tied together? No, I don't think so. No, Ben, Ben was part of what she needed to survive in this realm. Which is, she wants to ditch him as fast as she can. (laughs) You know, this poor little intern guy who really doesn't know what he's doing. You know, she's trapped, and that's part of the banishment, is that she has to deal with this other um, encumbering being that she can't quite control when she goes in and out of. You know what I mean? And as the season develops, that's kind of explored a little bit more. Okay. Um, um, that makes sense. Because um, I was wondering that. I was like, how did Ben make it through med school if him and Glory have always been... Ben, ben is just a... It, ben is an... Un- see, here's the thing. Glory body jumps. Okay. okay. And so she body jumps into Ben. And I will continue on this body jump thing at the end of the podcast because I have a theory <laughs> about what happened to Glory um, huh. at the 
at the end of the hundredth episode, which I will uh, tell you then. But she, Ben is nothing. He's nothing. He's just he's an unfortunate soul. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I totally will go with that. Um, I like that explanation too. So Glory has a lot of iconic moments in this whole season. But one of my favorite glory moments is her in that bathtub with the minions oh, blindfolded, yes. serving her mimosas. That is gay rights, Claire. <laughs> I agree 100%. Let me tell you something about that scene. That bathtub was not warm. <laughs> they they had to drain and refill and drain and refill uh, and drain and refill that bathtub a few times. Um, and those poor minions. I mean, they already are dealing with the prosthetics and all that. And then you're going to blindfold them. <laughs> These guys were not happy uh, and make them kneel. Um, but it was, it was a really fun scene to play. And I agree with you. I mean, that it is definitely one of the most iconic glory scenes. People often reference that scene. And I've had a lot of fan art, which I absolutely love of that scene, you know, depicted. And it, it was, it was not as fun to film as it is to talk about. <laughs> I know, how, I know Courtney has things to say about this. My, I mean, like all of my notes are just like, oh my God, oh my God, this is the best. Oh my God, I'm so happy right now. Oh my God. Like it's just so, like every single detail of this scene that it's like a full on like box of like proper chocolates that it's like that they, the touch of them having the blindfolds on Everything about it is just so good. It's just Glory taking her her me time. Yes, her me time. And, you know, everyone should be involved in giving her that me time. <laughs> yes. It requires three minions to exactly. take about that. <laughs> Four minions. You know, there's got, they, got a lot, they got a lot of things to do for Glory. Um, yeah, I, I think about that scene. Like, I, going into this, I forgot that that was in this episode. I always... Like, for me, that's, like, a, such a standalone scene that I forget where in the season it takes place. Mind you, I host the Buffy podcast. I've seen every episode, like, a thousand times. But, yeah, I was like, oh, good. I'm glad I, we get to talk to Claire about this specific scene. But you know what? You're right about that. That scene could really be placed throughout. You yeah. know what I mean? Because <laughs> that th- there's not too many, quote-unquote, character development scenes that you get for Glory. Mm-hmm. Because often she's, you know beating up you know beating up Buffy or trying to talking about getting the key and she is talking about the key in that scene but it really is like a peek behind the velvet curtain of what what goes on when Glory takes her heels off you know (laughs) yeah yeah and I I feel like Glory is almost like Joss knew he hit gold with Cordelia and you know she was they didn't have her anymore and they did have Anya like as a, but Anya is like her own thing, and I almost feel like you know after Buffy meets Gloria, she does say to Giles, she's kind of like Cordelia, <laughs> and I think that's why we all love Glory so much. It's like, oh, like we were missing this type of character on the show who like doesn't give a shit what they're doing, just wants to do her own thing, and also cares mm-hmm. about how good she looks. Well, right, Ian, Ian. Can I say from the perspective of like a teenage girl <laughs> watching? this stuff or in college age girl watching this glory was like that girl that you are super intimidated by in school and and courtney you might you might feel the same way about this but like Mm -hmm. she's like that popular girl you're kind of stir shitless of but also kind of obsessed with (laughs) yeah and it's like i need to get your approval please approve of me (laughs) it's like that it's like that person you stalk on Instagram, you know, that you don't quite yes. know. Like, you really want them to notice you, so you're, like, liking and commenting on all their posts. That's Glory, you know? It's very Ingrid Goes West, Glory edition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ingrid Goes West, but, like, lots of murder. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, then we get Buffy meeting with the principal, finds out Dawn has been skipping school, shows the magic box. And I thought it was really cool that, so she has magic box, she talks to Giles um, about what's been going on, and then we get Willow tutoring Dawn with angles and math. Uh, and Willow's extra cute, like, nerdy Willow, which I feel like probably was on purpose for the later scene we get of her versus Glory. Because uh, it's like, oh, her first scene in this episode is her being, like, very nerdy, and then, you know, her final scene is, like, her being a total badass. Uh, and I don't know, I like that that's, I don't know, like, versus each other, the, like, scenes. Um, and I also appreciate that Willow always is pretty sympathetic with Dawn. Like, Willow's definitely the cool aunt. Willow and Tara both. In, ter- in terms of character development, we get Anya's Anya's real OTP in this show. Her love oh, of right. money. <laughs> her love of capitalism, yeah. yeah. <laughs> her true love. Then we get Willow and Tara's fight. Ugh, Dana, I'm I want to so, hear, still, I need to hear your thoughts on this, Dana. <laughs> I'm still stressed about it. It's been like 20 years. Um... <laughs> Every, you know, I noticed, have you noticed, Ian, that, like, I'm very stressed out about any Tara Willa thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> well, you know what, though? It was such a, well, okay, take us take apart the magic part of it, all right? It's a conversation of two people in different places in their life and their discovery and their development who are still trying to figure each other out. And you have Tara, who is nervous that maybe Willow is only in this for the short term, that this is just a fly-by-night thing. And, I mean, gosh, I've I've stood in Tara's soft butch shoes, and you know, in this episode for sure. <laughs> but in Tara's position, to have her be the one who, who really calls out Willow on this power that's, that's developing in her, I think is really poignant. Yes, because I actually remember watching this and thinking... Wow, every like when it aired, I remember thinking everyone's too like annoying about Willow and her magic. She's doing fine. Clearly, I was wrong. <laughs> well, it really, it really is like laying the groundwork. Yeah. Like it really is like an addiction conversation already, even at this stage, yeah. where it's just like this scares me. And Willow is so like, what are you talking about? Like it's not even like she's hiding it yet. She genuinely doesn't know she has a problem. Right. Yeah. So she's just confused. And it was such like, that's every addiction conversation that that yeah. someone has. Yeah, I mean, right, because it's, I, like, even now, I'm like, I could see where I thought they were being unfair with Willow, but, like, realistically, they mm-hmm. all their concerns were completely valid. Right. Um, and, you know, clearly Tara would know Willow better than I would, the viewer, so... <laughs> Uh, well, I think you guys brought up another interesting point when you're talking about the Tara Willow conversation, just in particular, is, you know, the sci-fi part of that is the magic, you know, which is used as sort of the conversation piece. But what, but the emotional relationship is, what, is what's being talked about. And I think that's what Joss was so great about, is, ma- is sort of hiding and layering the meaning so that people felt comfortable watching and discussing. I mean, do you guys agree? That's... Yeah. Yeah, you nailed yeah. it. Yeah, no, totally. Um, we were discussing this in um, the episode for Blood Ties where Willow, or Dawn finds out she's the key and cuts herself. How, like, even if you took out the magic part, it's still, like, a teen going through, like, shitty life Right, things. but for, for some reason, like, at this point, the show was on, season five was on Warner Brothers. At this point, Warner Brothers was, you know, they may not have wanted to have, like, a... Uh, a lesbian relationship on the air. I doubt they even noticed because it was shrouded in magic. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so it was a way for Joss to like reach this d- 
demographic that he wanted to reach, whether it was, you know, the cutters or the lesbians or whatever, you know, he could tell the story he wanted to tell just by shrouding it in this science fiction genre. Yeah. And I feel like that is something that Buffy did that no other show has done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that's why Slayer Fest exists, because we love and appreciate those moments so much. And I think when I went back and I watched this episode, it struck me how much more so, we, we joked about how this episode is gayer than we ever remembered it's like <laughs> right. so much queerer than we remembered and i'm like oh my god willow says like these really important things about this relationship and about her feelings and about all of this that had never been said before right and like, it hit me like a uh, like an arrow to the heart anyone else notice that the wa- that the wall mural at glory's apartment looks like dr frankenfurter Oh, totally. <laughs> I didn't notice that. It, do- it looks know. like it looks like at the end of the movie when they're in the pool. Like that's exactly what that looks like. I had to like pause and rewatch and be like, wait, is that? Is that? <laughs> I think Curry? there's a lot of little Easter eggs throughout yeah. Glory's house and apartment. And and if you you know if you I haven't rewatched in a long time. Um, I'm gonna introduce my children to the show oh. pretty soon or to the oh. character. I know, right? Um, And that will be a rewatch for me. But I remember during filming, there were a lot of those little Easter egg type things. I love that. That also makes sense for Glory, right? Like, oh, yeah. (laughs) She's a high camp dream. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. Glory is the perfect high femme. I never thought of it until right now. (laughs) Since the next big scene is with Tara at uh, at the cultural fair. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, so Claire, I I feel like Glory's even flirty with Tara when she's, you know, like breaking her hand, which sounds crazy, but I almost think of it as like a cat playing with their prey. Mm. Well, I mean, she has no ill feelings towards Tara. She's right. just gonna do what she has to do. Again, you know, they're you know, and it's she's It's not personal. <laughs> yeah, it's not personal. Don't take it personally. Um <laughs> But you know, she's not I never wanted to play her as, quote unquote, a villain or a big bad or whatever. I didn't, you know, because as a person and take aside the fact that she's a god, you know, but as as an actor, I don't want to view my character and the character I'm living in and creating for all these months in a negative way. You know what I mean? That is me passing judgment in a way that I wouldn't do in real life on myself. Okay. So everything was played from a very like, hey, this is this is the way it is. You know, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Got to suck your brain. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I always I always say that Glory sounds like I mean, you saying that Jack Nicholson from The Shining was what you're going for makes absolute perfect sense, because I always feel like your delivery of Glory is she's like really intense, but also like maybe on the verge of a nervous breakdown because she just wants to find her like key. Right. And, and, you know, it, it started off like that. And there are strings that I, that I definitely kept channeling from Jack Nicholson's character. Um, but I think the thing is, is with Glory, you know, she, she feels things to the extreme and she is a total narcissist, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, um, and she's, she's just, she's just out for glory. She does not, She's harm, no harm, no foul. If you if you don't get in her way, fine. She's going to pass you by. You know, she doesn't do things illogically. She's only trying to accomplish her goals. Huh. 
And and then in Tara, she finds somebody. And Tara is the eternal listener of the Buffy mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. You can talk to Tara about anything. And here she finds this one person. I mean, granted, she is breaking her hand at the time. But this person who could, will just sit there and listen to Glory just kind of open up about how unhappy, how dreadfully unhappy she has been. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, you command every scene you're in, Claire, you like command that scene. And I've watched, like I said, I've watched every episode so many times, but I still get nervous. Scenes like, you know, Glory sitting next to Tara, the scene in, <laughs> in the episode before where we get like <laughs> Glory just talking to Dawn in the hospital because you know that Glory could literally like very easily murder everyone in the room with her. And she's yes. so calm about it. Just yes. like I could kill him and I could kill her and I'll kill all of it. It's so just like chill about it. It looks matter of fact, like, yeah, I'm going to kill all of these people and it's going to be your fault, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> but you mentioned, you did mention in that scene, like Glory's sexuality and, and whether she was, uh, you know, coming on to Tara or attracted to yeah. Tara. I think that that's just Glory. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, she doesn't feel that way towards the minions. That's right. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not beautiful. Right. You know, it, right. Uh, in other in other words, Glory is a Glory is a win me over type. Yeah, I like that. I totally I would also I would like go along with that theory because I, I do feel like there's an air of flirtiness to just Glory's like personality. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's you know, there's those people you meet in life that are just like sexual, sensual people that like whether they're with, uh, you know, around a group yeah. of men or a group of women, despite their sexuality, despite their sexual preferences, they give off that air. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's definitely who she is as well. Yeah. And they all take mimosa baths. <laughs> they all do. Every, Every single one, one of them. them. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and since Glory is a narcissist, she's kind of putting this out there in a way to see if it gets reflected back at her. Right. I think so. Glory would do really well at a gay bar, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so then I, uh, we get uh, Willow moping in the magic box, which... I actually really liked because Giles is just like, oh, what's wrong? And she's like, I had a fight with Tara. And he's like, oh, well, it's over. And it's very like, I mean, I'm still this way at 35, but it's very, you know, they're 19. She's And she's like, what do you mean it's over? Our relationship can't be over. And he's like, your fight, it's over. You'll apologize and it'll be fine. And like, that's the very adult way of viewing a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like not, I mean, like I said, I don't do that at 35. I would like to. Uh, but, like, definitely not at 19. You think, like, the world's ending because you argued with someone that you love. Uh, and right. I kind of like Giles's, like, logical voice just being like, oh, no big deal. So you apologize. Okay. Like, he's not... I just realized I have turned into the Giles of <laughs> <laughs> my life now. <laughs> Did that happen? Be the Giles you want to see in the world. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. <laughs> Dana, you can be my Giles. Okay, you got it. I'm giving you a charming smile. You just can't see. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's always the voice of reason, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he, he's, he's the the logical side of the conversation, like always. not the emotional side. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that, <laughs> skipping ahead a little bit, yeah, like that's even we get there right in the finale when he's like, we're having this conversation and Buffy's like, we are not having this conversation. And he has to yell at her and be like, we are. And it's really intense, but, like, Giles is kind of right. Like, what happens if Dawn does get cut? They can't just let the world end because of it. And he's not, Buffy takes it personally, but he's just thinking of it logically because that's their job to save the world. Right. Uh, And I think about that a lot with Giles. Like, he clearly would have no joy in doing it, but he knew that that was what 
the world needed to be saved if Dawn did open up the porthole. Uh, yeah, I always think of Giles as... Uh, one of our guests, Meg Elison, actually wrote for Sci-Fi Wire. Um, Courtney, I don't know if you're familiar with the piece. It was like about Very. Giles as a non-toxic. Like the, the I what? edited it. It was. It made me so happy. I was like waiting for it to go up so that the world <laughs> could see it. Yeah. <laughs> Remind me the title, Courtney. Um, it was basically he's like a, the non-toxic father figure that like we all need. Yeah, I love that she said, which is true. There's never any like sexual tension like he's clearly just considers them like almost like all his kids while he begrudgingly considers Anya and Xander the same way he still does and he's always very logical with them you know and having Giles there and you know then Buffy Buffy is like complaining to Giles earlier and he's just he's always the dad yeah so then we get more of the conversation of Glory and Tara what was it like with that festival going on Claire the well the quote-unquote festival well, yes, let me tell you, the festival wasn't real. That was movie magic. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> um, so, you know, that it's always fun to shoot on location. Um, there are certain challenges, such as, like, the wind and the noise. It's a little bit harder. You maybe end up ADRing more of those lines. I don't mm-hmm. remember in particular with that scene how much ADR there was. Um, they tried to minimize that on Buffy because they didn't want to pull the audience out of the scene. You know, right. off, sometimes you can hear the difference. Yeah. Um, and so they would always go with production if possible. So when you're shooting outside, all those things are considered. But I do remember it was a nice, it was a nice environment. It was, it was a, a, nice day to shoot and I absolutely love Amber so I I really (laughs) you know I all the girls that were on the show together were still very tight and Amber is a great friend of mine and I and I love working with her I think she's extremely talented so it was a fun it was a fun moment because often as I was saying prior my scenes were either with the minions or with Dawn or with (laughs) Buffy so it was nice to mix things up you know (laughs) yeah Claire uh you guys are all really cute on like Instagram and Twitter I love seeing I feel like you and, like, uh, Charisma and Julie Benz were, like, all going out after every Comic-Con always made me happy. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. We're going out this week, so you'll get to see some more, some new pictures. <laughs> Great. You can put in a good word with Charisma because we want her on as well. <laughs> okay, I'll tell her for sure. When show casts, like, stay friends years after a show ends, that's, like, my favorite thing in the world. Like, it just makes me so happy. Yeah. I know. Did you see, I don't know if you guys are fans of TNG, but they just, yes. over the weekend, they all got together and they oh, released yay. a picture. Yeah, LeVar and... Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner and Marina and uh, Gates McFadden. It was so, God, so great. I'm like, oh, I love them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I when I was at BuzzFeed, I wrote an article that was like casts that still like kill it with cuteness. And I had like, I like uh, embedded a bunch of posts. I think it was like posts from you, Claire and Charisma. Oh. And then a bunch of the <laughs> TNG cast and Veronica Mars. Because like, I feel like all those casts are the casts that are like, all still good friends. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, like, isn't it kind of funny? Don't you feel like everyone was on Buffy at one point? Like, <laughs> yeah. Every, like yes. in, this, in this age group, you know what I mean? <laughs> They're like, what is it? I think Can't Hardly Wait. Almost like a good like oh, 90% yeah. of that cast was on Buffy at some point. <laughs> right. Oh, well, it was, I think it was of those movies in the late 90s. It was Can't Hardly Wait, uh, American Pie, and then um, Bring It On. And if you, like, if you weren't in one of those three movies, I'm, questioning whether you have a career you know what I mean right yeah <laughs> like I feel like everyone was in those movies you know yeah, yeah I, I like remember it was the golden age 
Once I had, <laughs> yes. once I had my like Buffy DVDs, <laughs> once I had my Buffy DVDs, and I could actually revisit, because you know, Buffy was on in the, you know, the world of we couldn't revisit every episode when we wanted to. Right. Um, once I got the DVDs and was able to like rewatch it a million times, I remember being like, "Wow, this is so weird." There's so many actors I never realized, you know, that were on mm-hmm. this show, like the the character Veruca that ends up being the like catalyst for Oz leaving Sunnydale. She is has a scene with Seth Green, that actress has a scene with Seth Green and Can't Hardly Wait. Um, oh, yeah. and there's a lot of like little th- and like Amber's in Can't Hardly Wait. Um, you got to start the new game Six Degrees of Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so where are we? Uh, we well, we've got to we've got to get to when um, when Buffy and Willow have that scene where Buffy's like, yeah, you got you can't you can't whip out the magic, and uh, <laughs> and Willow's like. Don't you understand my gayness? I don't you understand how gay I am right now. <laughs> As I often have to say to people. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Are you not looking at me? <laughs> and Buffy's so proud. She's like, I had a good conversation with Willow and everything went according to plan. And Spike's just like, no, that's um, not how that went down at all. But also before we get to that scene, because I do really appreciate Spike often, I mean, starting this season and then continually through the rest of the show spike is the voice of reason but before that in the hospital we get when Ty- when willow says she doesn't know how she'll sleep and anya's like you can sleep with me oh that came out a lot more you know <laughs> lesbian than, than i thought it would <laughs> yeah that's one of my favorite anya lines it's just so good uh and i i feel like like you said dana for me especially watching the show when you know we were younger having them make like gay jokes like that that weren't you know it's clearly not like a gay joke but you know what i mean it wasn't at being it wasn't about being gay it wasn't a joke of like making fun of gayness it was like the gay thing was just part of the joke yeah yeah Yeah, it's not a it's not a punch down it's like a high five toward yes Yes. (laughs) the gay high five yes i like that that's really good yeah it's it is like a gay high five uh because you know and i i always felt like i remember watching that and like loving when they would make those kind of jokes it'd be like oh, being gay isn't, like, the punchline here. Like, it's not making fun of someone for being gay. And I always loved that. Uh, we had Jaina Spenson on earlier in the season, and she was wondering about the language Willow uses like that. And I was like, no, I I think that's accurate to how queer people talk to their straight friends or, like, things like that. Like, I think it still reads true the way Willow says things like, oh, gay now, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't it, like, that's that sort of organic talk and not being afraid to, like, throw away those lines and make them funny? Yeah. That's that's reality. Reality yes. isn't, like, every time you talk about an issue or a minority or, like, a sexuality thing, like, the da-da-da, you know, and the <laughs> room gets dark and everybody gets real <laughs> right, serious. Right, the after-school special real fast. Yeah, like, and also she's bulimic, you know? It's like, no. <laughs> right. That's not reality. Reality is tossing away things and the sexuality is just another layer of who defines the person, not the definition of the person. Yeah. Oh, I really like that, Claire. (laughs) I mean, for me, that's why Willow and Tara always like, you know, they were the only, I can't remember. Dana, you might remember. Is I don't think there was like, especially in any geek shows, like any sci-fi or supernatural, I don't remember there being another queer couple at all. Not at this time. Not not a lesbian couple. No. Um, and that's why it was such a big deal for me and I love that like like you said Claire they could do those throwaway jokes because they earned it like Willow was clearly comfortable these were her friends it wasn't like people she didn't know and like clearly they were all no one was like a homophobe in the group Uh, and so that's what it was like Amy Adams (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but, you know, that was, it, it's like, that's what made the show progressive for the late 90s, early yeah. 2000s, is it was a non-issue. Yeah. It was, the plot point wasn't that these two women were lesbians. The plot point was the relationship. Yeah. Whether it was a man, a woman, a woman, a, you know, a vampire, a human, you know, yeah. whatever it was. So that's, that's really what Joss did differently for the first time on television. Yeah. It wasn't until uh, rewatching this episode that I realized that I, I think this was probably the first time I ever heard the term coming out on TV because Willow says, like, you came out before I did. And it was, the like, the first time that I heard it on TV where it wasn't part of the coming out, where it was just, like, a conversation that they're having after the fact where it's just something they bring up rather than, like, it being this big, like, coming out narrative. Like, it was already right. done and just part of their story. That's, right. Uh, that still doesn't happen. People yeah. don't like it always has to be like the big coming out narrative rather than it just being, a, you know, a part of Here it is. your yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buffy still has one of the most subtle going coming outs yeah. on like television history. <laughs> yeah. Well, I and I think that's why WB was like, oh, what? wait, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. And Joss is like, snuck one by you. Maybe you to fly in that executive room. <laughs> yeah. Like all these years later, they're they're like, did you know those characters were? <laughs> they're like, wait, there were they lesbians. Just gal pal. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. They just did some spells together. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, I, I mentioned earlier my mom really likes Buffy. My mom did not get it at all that they were supposed to be gay. And I'd be like, mom, no, they're, they're lesbians. She'd be like, no, they don't kiss. I'd be like, they're not allowed to kiss. It's like you know, TV. And she'd be like, no, they're not gay. And then she was like, oh, I was way off. Like, she knew she was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I remember a long, long, long time ago when I was in Ohio, I told my mom, I was like, yeah, Rosie O'Donnell's gay. And she's like, no, she's not. <laughs> yeah. Same type of thing, right? <laughs> she just likes dressed and comfy. Yeah. <laughs> she just loves a sneaker. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that page boy blunt cut. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had that. Okay, Ian, I hate to do this, but we need to move along. Oh, we do, yes. So, the fight. Tell us about the fight, Claire, that Willow and uh, Glory have. Oh, well, okay, what would you like to know about it? <laughs> uh, so, for me, my favorite fights in Buffy are the ones where she's fighting someone who's, like, mostly a human, because you guys can do the most movement. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think... Buffy and Faith have the best fights and, and like Glory and anyone are like the best fights in all of Buffy. Yeah, I, I agree. Glory's fighting, you know, we had a great stunt team on the show, first of all, and a great stunt choreographer. Um, and that episode, if I'm remembering that scene, I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, they actually hung Willow up and like, yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and like pulled her across the soundstage so she was flying and again things were done practically back in the day so if an actor was flying you know you put them on a pulley and a harness and they got drug across the stage so that between that and the the contacts that they put in her eyes and and whatever sweet little Allison Hannigan was gone <laughs> <laughs> and I do like that juxtaposition that you have earlier in the episode of her being so sweet and kind of kooky and caring yeah. you know the typical Willow versus what you see in that scene. Um, and I think that, you know, she was, it, it speaks to the relationship that she has with Tara, that she transformed in that way, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Because she was so upset and angry and whatever. And the scene, it was a lot of fun to film. Um, and again, Allison, great, great <laughs> consummate professional, great person to work with. So it was, it was definitely, definitely a fun scene. Um, yeah, I love... I mean, I just, I love, I remember watching this and being like, oh, so excited to see Willow go like full badass witch. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, lots of times prior to this, Willow and Tara, if they were doing something, it was like they were doing the spell off, like not in the fight. They were doing a spell somewhere to help Buffy, but it was like they were doing a spell at home. It was helping Buffy in on the action. Right, uh, right. And I really liked being able to see this. And I I really liked the line where like Willow pulls out a bag and you know, you're like, bag of tricks? And she's like, bag of knives. I think that's, like, pretty <laughs> I know. iconic. The, the writing was so good in this episode. I really, I, my, I felt like Glory's writing was always really good. Um, but this, for not being, uh, I think Rebecca wrote this episode, um, and for not being a Joss episode, she nailed Glory's lines, yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, I, we had, When we had Jane on, I was telling her that oftentimes there's certain writers that I can pick out their Buffy episodes without looking like I can be like, oh, I know this is a Joss episode. Oh, this is a Marty Knoxon episode. Yeah. But there are some writers that, like, it's hard to tell the difference between them and Joss. Like, their writing is so much alike. Especially in this one, because uh, all, I was so focused on the fact that uh, Fingerbrain Tara, which is what I call her in my notes, <laughs> um, is is River Tam. Like, and I was just thinking, wow, Joss is really good at writing just, you know, Lady was like the prequel the ladies to... of nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember during this season they were getting Firefly underway. They were like oh. casting and and like, I believe um, this was the time where they were getting that show going. So maybe he maybe he was like, let me try out a little bit of this character over here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. It's funny because while I think Glory was the next step after Cordelia. So Joss went to writing Astonishing X-Men, and I always feel like the next step from Glory was him writing uh, Emma Frost in X-Men. Mm-hmm. I feel like they have a very similar, like, I'm just doing, like, Emma is more on clearly the good side, quote-unquote, but she's still like, I'm getting whatever needs to be done to save, you know, the student set of the X-Men. And she, like, but still cares about looking good, still cares about, you know... She makes fun of Kitty Pride for how she's dressed, like, the first time they meet. Um, and I always feel like those were, like, Joss's steps with, like, writing really strong women that have, like, the snappiest of dialogue. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So then Buffy comes in, saves Willow, because the magic hurts Glory, but still isn't going to defeat her. It's um, not going to do much. Yeah. they. <laughs> to be honest. They, no. <laughs> they escape. We get the scene in the dorm where everyone's really sad and somber. Um, and then Glory rips the wall off of Willow and Tara's dorm room. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, what what was that like with having that happen and standing there? You know, it's there were so many moments like that, like reveals or, you know what I mean, with her that I just, it, it just is another example of, I used it as internalizing her power. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even have to use the door. You know? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Talk about your here's jaunty moments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and those were often like the caps of the going to commercial or this at the end of the episode. Yeah. Like, and it would just be like a frame on me, you know? <laughs> so I, I really liked those moments and I thought they were a good tool to build the power of glory in the audience's mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, anytime there's a scene with Glory and other people that aren't the minions, I'm like, 
uh, nervous that because Glory could literally kill... I mean, she rips a wall off a building. She can do very easily dispose of anything in a room um, and any of the people. Uh, but see, that that also speaks to Glory's, you know, Glory's ability to identify what the issue and the problem is. She's not just this mad woman going around destroying things. Like, it only true. has to do with her goal of getting home, to call back to earlier in the podcast. That's, that is true, yeah. Um, well, so now that we're at the end of the episode, tell us your glory theory, Claire. Uh, well, okay, I mentioned before that, you know, um, Charlie Weber's character, Ben, he, yeah. he was just a catalyst that was used for glory on Earth. So I happen to think that at the end of episode 100, instead of, you know, because we see Giles with glory and then we see Giles actually, you know, putting out Ben, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think that glory, who was in Ben's body at that time, body jumped into Giles. And if they ever wanted to bring her back, that would be the way. Oh, wow. I would be really mm -hmm. into that, like, plot line. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Great. So when we... And that's part of why he had to go away. Right. Huh. See, it all makes sense. Huh. I could tell... So, mm. so Claire, we're going to pitch that to Monica, right? For the, re for the revival? <laughs> Sounds good to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of her, like, body... Like, almost like a possession thing like Right. That. I mean, it wouldn't be... It, it would be the same type of thing there was with Ben, obviously. And then, you know, the idea... It would be... a catalyst to bring her back and then whatever story could take place thereafter you know um and my other question before we get to our favorite parts of the episode i remember reading like of course this was like buffy was early internet so like it wasn't quite it was just like oh you read things but anyone could post whatever i mean not that that doesn't happen now but you know what i mean <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but i remember reading that a pet that glory was supposed to come back instead of Caleb for season seven. Is that true? Um, I, I can't say whether it was in place of Caleb or not, but here is what happened. They okay. called, they started the talks um, to have me come for season seven, uh -huh. but it was similar to how it was in season five, which was, well, we don't know how much you'll be needed or whether you'll be needed or huh. whatever, you know, but we're going to start with this first episode of season seven. And then, We'll go from there. And of course, I was like, I want to come, you know, I'm, I'm blah, blah, blah. And my agent's like, just chill out. This is how the show works, you know, <laughs> chillax. And I, of course, did the first episode with, you know, Juliet and yeah. Adam and everybody else. And uh, then I wasn't needed. So I don't know if their plans changed or they always knew. I don't, I really don't know. I would have loved to have come back, obviously. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that the season went the way they all yeah. wanted it to. So I wasn't, I wasn't necessary. Well, since you brought it up real quick, um, tell us about that scene. Cause I, that's actually one of my favorite Buffy scenes is seeing every villain circling Spike. Yeah. Did you guys cool. like know what you were doing or no, not really? No, they never told us anything. <laughs> like I had no idea. I, I didn't even know, you know, um, but I, it was funny because we used the same technique that we used when Ben and I would morph back and forth, you know, the same sort of, yeah. again, practical stop. You would stop, an actor would stop, everybody would have to be the same height, everyone would freeze, they'd take a picture, then that actor would scoot out, the other actor would come in. And so when I was doing it, I was like, I can do this, no problem. You know, I've, I've <laughs> done this for a whole season. And then everyone else was like, how do we do this? I don't understand this. <laughs> so... I, 
it was kind of like, see you guys, I'm going to wrap up my little bit here in about five minutes and leave, <laughs> leave you guys here to film. <laughs> um, was everyone actually in the room at the time or no? Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all had, they had a bunch of director's chairs set up and they would just call out the next person. And the way that those scenes were filmed was you would actually be responsible for memorizing the dialogue pre and post your own line you know, yeah. so that you could effectively overlap at the front and the back end. Okay. And no one had been told that. <laughs> except <laughs> me. <laughs> so no one knew their lie. No one knew what they were doing. And yeah, it was, it was a fun day, though. I spent a lot of time at craft service that day. <laughs> so you must have felt like the shit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how could they not bring me back? I mean, I'm telling this, this one line. <laughs> um, all right. So now that we're at the end, um, favorite outfit, Claire? And you can cheat. Uh, what, what would cheating be? Like you can name any, since this is your first uh, episode discussing season five, you can name any one of your outfits that you wore in season five. If, if you okay, want. well, I would have to say the, the red dress, like yeah. the iconic red dress, um, which was this beautiful Prada, like really fitted, nice, Ooh. gorgeous, you know, red dress. So that was my favorite. I felt like it was, it really helped me get into the feel of the character that first episode, you know, okay. and it was just really high end tailored nicely. I mean, it was Prada, so it worked. That was my favorite. I didn't realize it was that fancy. That is legit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fancy, fancy. <laughs> uh, Courtney, favorite outfit? So I had in my notes that, like, as soon as you see Dawn and she's wearing that, like, pleather blue coat with a, <laughs> a, like, a green turtleneck underneath, I was like, this is peak Buffy. But then Willow comes in and she's wearing a crushed velvet dress with a <laughs> loose belt and a marabou coat. And I was like, this is peak Buffy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. Those two lies. <laughs> 90s madness. <laughs> Not going to lie. I had a crushed velvet maxi dress. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the belt really just seals the deal this like unnecessary loose hanging belt like that was just (laughs) such part of the aesthetic of the time and i just i wore so many nonsense belts for no reason uh dana (laughs) uh i'm gonna say (laughs) ian will laugh at me because i always choose tara's outfits um tara's like extremely normal uh like 19 late 90s lesbian <laughs> outfits with like denim the jean jacket and yeah <laughs> a lot of denim and uh i think khakis like it was i just felt it because i was like i think i fucking wore that <laughs> yeah like where did they get they went into my closet jeans. <laughs> uh, so sensible and comfortable <laughs> so my favorite is i i have to say um don't worry, Claire. I think twice before I've used, because Glory wears the red dress a lot. I've used that red dress as my favorite outfit of the episode. Okay, so I'm not betraying you, I promise. Uh, okay, good. Willow's mm-hmm. Willow's pink dress, I think, is like so, I agree with you, Courtney. It's very peak Buffy and peak Willow in Buffy. The crushed velvet, the, what was the name of that coat, Courtney? What do you call it? It was, a, it had a marabou collar. Yeah, I didn't, I, I learned something today. Um, Marab- marabou means feather shit. I, I, I am know. trying to Google that crushed velvet dress right now. <laughs> no. Just look up Tough Love Buffy under images and you'll find it. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Good idea. Okay. I'm like, do I need to send it to the group chat? I can send it to us. <laughs> oh, hold on. I'm almost there. Let's see. Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, that outfit. Yes. Um, I got it. So, yeah, that's, I just, for me, that's like one of 
Willow's most iconic looks, even though she only wears it in one episode. I just, I think of that a lot. Bet you do, Ian. I bet you do. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Closeted Ian probably wanted to wear that outfit when he was watching this. It looked really comfortable. Like, yeah, you gotta say that. It looks And it's totally the action figure. I'm looking at the action figures wearing even the belt. <laughs> yep. They have it all. Oh my god, Claire. Also, what's it like having an action figure of yourself? Oh, yeah. Well, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, you know? I mean, that is kind of like a career highlight, you know? And, until you get the Oscar, the action figure is like the second best thing. Your yeah. kids? No, your kids? Like your little oh, ones? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids have seen it, yes. Oh, I made sure they saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that no, ups they, mom's coolness, right? Yeah, they definitely. No, they've seen it. Um, and, yeah, it's pretty nice. Although, you know, my favorite one, I have a couple different other action figures. They're not true to life, I like to think and remind <laughs> myself because the face looks really weird on them. But um, <laughs> the Tiki statue that they ran like oh, a yeah. 500 limited edition run of the Glory one is my absolute favorite. It is so cool. So if you haven't seen that, give that a Google. It's really cool. Though, yeah, whatever designer that did those, like, they made them like cartoony looking were so yeah, cool. Yeah, like the tuned up tiki's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember like at like twenty like whenever whenever they came out, I think I was like twenty one. I was like, ooh, I can't afford these, but I will look at them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like super cool. Um all right, and favorite scene, Claire. Yeah. In that episode, I yeah. mean the most iconic scene to me for that episode is the brain sucking scene. Oh. You know? Um and the most the most photo op reenacted scene for sure. <laughs> so often I am asked when I encounter a fan like, "Will you suck my brain?" <laughs> and uh, you know, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, Courtney, bubble bath obs. Yeah, well, Dana. Oh, the Willow Glory fight. My scene is a tie between Glory in the bathtub and the Glory and Willow fight because uh, the Glory and Willow fight. And, like, was such a big deal to me because it's it was so, so cool. Good. It was so cool seeing Willow, like, fight fight for the first time. Uh, yeah. Um, and then what grade of the episode? Uh, Claire, what do you grade it? Oh, I graded an A because <laughs> I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney. This whole chunk of episodes, like, leading up to the finale, like, that's a solid A run for me. I just love this whole set of episodes. I'm so glad I'm here for this one. Dana. Oh, totally agree with Courtney. Yeah. I... It's this whole run A. I agree. Like these four episodes for me, like the four of them all serve as the finale. And I think it's like almost like a Buffy TV movie. Uh, so I also go with an A. Um, thank you for doing this. Uh, Claire, thank you so much for joining us. It's so glad. It's so like nice to finally have you on. I feel like we're playing tag forever and I'm just. I know. Thank you guys so much, Courtney and, and Dana. I, I've had such a good time. It's been really fun. Um, oh, and... Such a pleasure. And if you want to follow SlayerFest98, we can find us on Twitter. We are at SlayerFestX98. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at IanXCarlos. Dana, where can they find you? Dana Pickley, that's two C's, one L. And Courtney, where can they find you? I'm at Court and Low. Claire. I'm at Claire Kramer. Hey, um, and if you like our podcast, feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.